0: The sun, the sun, the the sun, the sun, the the
1: A cocktail followed
2: by oyster liqueurs. Good morning and welcome to Out of the Blue on Sunday, 4th of August, 2019. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial, or you can have a listen from our website, www.3cr.org.au forward slash radio blue, from where you can stream our broadcast and you will also find a number of previously aired episodes that have been uploaded as podcasts. You can also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash out of the blue radio. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that 3CR is broadcasting from and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and to future generations. My name's Andrew Christie from Melbourne Polytechnic and Marine Care Point Cook, and today's weather we're headed for a top of uh, 14 degrees. Um, The winds aren't too high today. Um, Generally at this time of the year, you'll find they come from the north, uh, overcast and cloudy conditions with the chance of rain. Um, So as always, please take care if you're getting into our beautiful bay or waterways in the state of Victoria. We've got uh, something of a full house on out of the blue today. Um, We've got Matt Testoni back in the house. Matt, how are you, mate? Hey, hey. Good, thanks. That's the way. Um, just for the uh, benefit of our listeners, uh, Matt is uh, looking at becoming a, uh, a permanent panelist on Out of the Blue, which we're very excited about, and you've got your training coming up in September. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. That'll be uh, that'll be good for you. So um, also joining us in the studio today is Leighton Cedar. Leighton, how are you, mate?
3: Yeah, pretty good, Andrew. Thanks for having
2: me here. Uh, that's the way. That's an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, Leighton is a guy that I've known now for a number of years. It goes all the way back to our secondary schooling days at uh Selesian College, uh, College Rupertswood in Sunbury. Um, so what we'll be talking to Leighton today about is all of uh, some of his dive experiences because he's had a, um, a, a fantastic life and some of the stuff that he's gotten into in the, uh, in the marine world are really, really interesting. So we'll, uh, we'll be having a chat to Leighton after these brief messages.
4: Help FreeCR cr support the rights of Indigenous Australians.
1: They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our song line and keep our culture going strong. Of
0: course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care and also others...
2: Recognition of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years and the recognition of where we are heading into the future.
4: Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and
0: help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now.
2: You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial. So, uh, Lado, can you give us a bit of an outline, mate, of uh, of who you are and um, what's uh, what's attracted you to Marine World, just a bit of an outline of uh, your life story in a nutshell?
3: Well, um, I've grown up in Victoria and, ever, you know, Ever since I was young, I used to do family um, holidays down there to Port Arlington, like swimming on the beach, going fishing with my family, with my dad, and stuff. But um, it's only uh, probably in the last five years I've actually got, um, I did my first dive in the Philippines a few years ago and came back to Victoria after that and like, loved uh, uh, diving in the Philippines was amazing. It's just like opened my world. After my first dive, it was just a discovery dive. I'm um, just amazed at the life down there and just the beauty under there and just the relaxed feeling I get um, diving and just fell in love with the um, experience of it.
2: That's oh, a hell of a place, isn't it? The Philippines, I've heard. that I've never been myself to the Philippines, but it sounds like an incredible dive destination.
3: Yeah, probably one of my best dives ever was my first dive. I think wow. this was so overwhelming, all the colours and marine life under there. And everything. And, um, So, yeah, I did a discovery dive in El Nido. Um, yeah, that was amazing. I like, did three dives just to, I think we were doing to, just to 12 metres because I wasn't licensed for anything then. Um, but that was great. Then after that, went to Boracay, another beautiful island, which is a bit overpopulated now. And um glad that the tourism, um, they've actually shut the island down for a little while to like fix up the tourism problems over there because it's just not really sustainable how it was going. But um, Right. Uh, from, I think it's reopening soon, um, but I don't really know um, too much about the whole ongoings. But um, yeah, it was... It's a beautiful island, it's just been overrun by hotels and shops these days and that. But anyway, I went there and did my open water course, um, which was great, and really you know, thought, yeah, I want to get into this, and um, did a few more dives, and yes, yeah, over the years, been diving more and more, but then, you no, know, it wasn't until I um, got back to Melbourne and thought, hey, you know, there's a bay out here with lots of beautiful stuff, and like, t- talked to some of the dive shops around here, and they were like, yeah, come for a dive with us, and yeah, put my head under the water and in the bay, and just was like amazed at how much marine life and diversity is, is is here. And even just going for a snorkel after work down at Rickards Point or Jawbone, or something like that. Um, yeah, I find it's almost a bit of a med- meditation after work and just sort of switch off and be you know be w- with yourself. I can't feel it while under the water. And yeah, then the more I talk to people, and you know, it's a great community as well. We like meeting different divers and. Um, different groups that doing stuff around the area to, for the environment and just for awareness and stuff as well. So yeah, it's been a great, the last five years just really opened up my eyes and world to... Um, yeah, well people don't realise what is below Port Phillip Bay,
4: they yes. really
3: don't, it's just this amazing world as you've discovered. Yeah, and I, I live in Williamstown and work in Altona, which is a bit of an industrial area and stuff, and then... One one day after work, actually, um, my mate was just like, let's go for a snorkel. This before I sort of got into, like, snorkeling and stuff. Like, just went down to of Beach, had a, actually had a few beers on the beach, and then went for a snorkel around there just with this, like, old, you know, $5 mask. And, yeah, it was surrounded by these, like, you no know, two-meter rays and stuff, you know, just everywhere, and just, yeah, I like, sort of blew my mind a bit. Um, incredible. And then, yeah... More so in um, the summer months when it's a bit warmer and stuff like that, but still, um, now now I've got a better equipment and you know, better you know, suit and gloves and stuff like that. Tried to get in whenever I can, but absolutely, yeah. You no, know, um, I think people should really get out there and and I think it just makes you more connected with your environment and the land, and you know you start learning more about the history of the place and yeah, you know, down at um, Jawbone and stuff like that. You know the whole it's a whole indigenous um, mangrove area and stuff like that, which you no. Know, Living in the area all my life, would have never known that. In the size, now started walking around and you know. More interest into the area and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: so. very much so. There's that real engagement, isn't there, into it. And, and I love what you said before, Leighton, about the uh, the idea where you can you know be at work all day busting a gut and then come home and jump into the water, and it just gives you that amazing shot in the arm, that big injection of freedom. You know, if you like, mm. um, it's it's absolutely incredible. And we um, are, of course at uh, uh, Ricketts Point Marine Sanctuary out at Bow Morris, and also um, Jawbone Marine Sanctuary at Williamstown, marine protected areas, but there's no issues there with access at all. Uh, you can you can do that any time. And, and, of course, you know, during the daylight saving hours, you, you know, it doesn't get dark until about quarter to nine or even later sometimes you've got the twilight period. Yeah. And you, it's quite safe to go in there at, at those sort of uh, dusk hours, if you like, and have a snorkel around and a paddle. You've got to make sure you, you don't suddenly run out of daylight. But um, aside from that, it's it's really good. Um, just to do a little bit of name-dropping, Ellie Williams is um, the ranger at Parks Victoria, and Ellie was at a Jawbone Marine Sanctuary care group meeting um, just this week and she was talking about trying to extend the hours for uh, Point Cook Marine Sanctuary to get access to it so that's a nice exciting development she was at our mm. Marine Care Point Cook meeting just uh, recently as well um, and was uh, discussing trying to extend that because at the moment the way that the Point Cook Coastal Park is configured you can only get access during certain hours and unfortunately during the summer months they shut the gates at seven or something so you've still got a couple of hours of daylight up your sleeve so they're trying to uh, extend that which is good news for all those people that are keen to check out Point Cook
4: Yeah and that's how- like everyone gets into the environment and gets excited about like you know, conserving nature and making sure we all, you know, keep it for the future generations That's is that
2: access exactly right? Getting out and about and checking it all out, yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah. Um, and also just to do a bit more name dropping because I'm very keen to have uh, the, the Jawbone Marine Sanctuary Care Group's a really active one. Um, and as as is the Ricketts Point Group, and I'm keen to try and get um some of my uh, um uh, uh, my fellow volunteers, I guess you could say, from Jawbone on at the show. And one of those is Sandy Webb, and she's uh, she only recently went to the Philippines and had some diving uh out there and just uh could not stop talking about it just raved about how incredible the uh the, the dive experience was in the philippines so certainly sounds like you cut your teeth in a hell of a destination there leighton
3: yeah um well you know never look back but then it's just you no know, i like to do a lot of traveling and my work i used to do a lot of fifo work as well so it enabled me to travel to different locations and do a bit of diving and stuff but um yeah definitely you know, comparing you know a lot of it's been around Indonesia and stuff, and recently just got back from Turkey and Greece as well. So I did a bit of diving over there and just to see the differences from different areas. And, um, yeah, I hope, I hope, you know, we're not losing too much marine, as you know, with global warming and stuff like that. Like, um won't be, you know, things are changing without a doubt and stuff like that. But um, it's good to see things now and I guess trying to conserve them as much as possible to, you know, keep this for the future generations. I think so... Yeah, um, I know, like, in Thailand and that, from when, when I went snorkelling, like, years back, when I went, for my first trip to um, Thailand back in 2005, I think, yeah, it was amazing snorkelling and stuff there, and, um, yeah, recently when I've been there, it's still amazing, but, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, lost some of its, like, feel and stuff like, from what it used to be, and that, so. Yeah,
2: right, right.
3: Um, but, you know, I think everywhere, you know, grows and changes and stuff, and, um, yeah, I know there's um, I know there's like AJ from Dive to You, they're a great diving company in Victoria. Um, something I really want to get on board is they do reef uh, management and building up in Bali and stuff like that to try, um, you know, just educate people on how to like build new reefs and all these reefs that have been destroyed, how to like get them going again and stuff. So, you no, know, it's good to see there's people out in the community really um pushing for sustainability, and um, you know, th- things are there is a movement for um. Yeah, protect this beautiful world. And, no, we all live in an ecosystem together, so it's good. No, I think you know, it's something that has to be done. So yeah, Absolutely great. And bu- building those kind of reefs and stuff, it's great because it gets the community
4: involved and it gives them an alternate economy to fishing. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with fishing, but, like, overfishing, the a lot of these island communities do when they get exploited and stuff. So this provides a great other source of income, like building those reefs and stuff.
3: Yeah, and um same as, like, um tourism and stuff like that it can really... Boost uh, you know, a, a, a sort of town in Indonesia where they don't have much income of money, and they have relied on fishing in the past, and even, um, yeah, like you know, shark fin fishing and stuff like that. Where tourism can really, you know, if they get the tourists in there and people can see what's under the water and get their income from that way, rather than yeah, causing exactly. any damage and stuff like that. It's, um, so I think it's the way forward, rather than causing more destruction and damage yeah. and
2: stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned before, Leighton, um, the sort of fly-in, fly-out nature of the work you're doing. What do you do for a, for a crust these days?
3: Um, yeah, it's a bit hard to describe, but um, I, I work I work at the Altona refinery at the moment and doing pipe generally pipe inspection and vessel inspection and stuff. And so a lot of my um, work in the past has been using um, rope access to access these areas and stuff. So I do a lot of abseiling in my work. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of... Climbing off, climbing up big things, and jumping off, and looking, <laughs> at, looking at stuff, and taking photos, and coming back and reporting it to the engineers and stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's um, kept me busy over the years, and definitely worked all over the um, the areas. Worked in PNG for a few years, and um, over, over in Western um, and... You know, all over Australia, it's uh, taken me to different remote areas. Um, so, yeah, it's wow. been really good in that
2: way. That's and excellent, it... excellent. Yeah, fascinating stuff. We might, uh, we might quickly uh, cut to a song just to break things up a little bit. Um, here's a, a, a song that I chose because it's, uh, I think it sort of goes along with uh, exactly what we've been talking about today, and it's, uh, it's Get Out of the House by Boom Crash Opera.
1: I tried to climb the walls, but tonight I'm on the town. I used to hang from off the ceilings, but tonight I'm getting down. I'm getting down. My longings got much longer than the hall. I had to walk right out the door. The streets are wet So far I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International, and you're listening to Out of the Blue 855 AM 3CR's Marine and Ocean News program.
2: You are indeed. Out of the blue, 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. Okay, um, we were just discussing some dive experiences before Leighton and uh, just recently you and I and a bunch of the, the fellas headed up to um, Byron Bay and the Gold Coast and had a good look around up there. And uh, we, uh, yeah, it was part of a, a footy trip and we saw this magnificent win by Essendon against uh, Gold Coast Suns and uh, I don't know what the... Hell happened to the Bombers yesterday against Port Adelaide, but that's another story. Um, so we went uh, while we we're up there. We went and checked out uh, Julian Rocks, which was a pretty amazing dive destination.
3: Oh, amazing! I was just blown away by the marine life up there, and um, yeah, I've never really I've dove with um, reef sharks in, over in Indonesia and Bali and stuff like that, but never seen great nurses like you know, in in the flesh. And um, yeah, just the mix of other like large marine life around that rock. So yeah, it was blew me away. It was, it was yeah. Up there in one of the top dives I've done, I think.
2: Oh, absolutely. Same here. It was one of the best dives I've been on, and uh, I did it back uh, about 10 years ago, uh, 2009. I did a couple of dives at Julian Rocks as well, and we were lucky this time. Yeah, we did see the 3 grey nurse sharks, um, Wobbegong Central too. Um, yeah. Wobbegong sharks absolutely everywhere, which was uh, which was uh, great to see. The populations there are clearly uh, going along nicely, which is what you want to hear. One thing that was a little bit, um, the, the guy at the dive store that we went to was, Saying, um, he was sort of intimating that it was a good thing, a nice thing to see, but it was a little bit concerning by the same, uh, by the same token. white tip reef sharks, which have slowly started to become uh, more of a, a you know, we're diving in a subtropical environment. Those are recognised as generally tropical animals that come down from the barrier reef. And, uh, yeah, we saw one of those. Um, and that's something that's possibly brought on by climate change. The, the range of these sharks is expanding. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see those those three species, at least three species of sharks. I'm pretty sure the wobbegongs are all the one species, but you never know until you have a really cl- good, close look. Um, and they're such a cryptic critter, aren't they, the Wobbygongs, the carpet sharks?
3: Yeah, I was surprised everywhere you looked. Like, I almost had to be careful not to run into them. Because like, <laughs> every, every corner you turn, there was like one right in your face. But um, yeah, peaceful little creatures. It's good to swim uh, around with them. I think, too, that they're the only shark that can grab their tail,
4: if I'm... Oh I'm not correct, so like what happens is oh, there's all yes. stories of Making, you know yeah. silly people grabbing them I or being am. like Oh, and then they've actually turned around and they 've gotten um. Luckily, they don't really have many teeth, so they can't really lock on and, you know, rip your arm off. But no, still, a bit they of like a shock, right? Go yeah. they've, got,
2: they've got brilliant, you know, typical backward-pointing, fish-trapping teeth, so they can certainly leave a pretty nasty wound. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't want to uh, end up in the jaws of one. That's for damn sure. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I, I do remember years ago I went, um, uh, like I said, uh, 2009, I went diving at Byron Bay, and my uh, dive instructor, probably against the best advice, he'd had a big night the night before, and he was, uh, he was was you can see he was still working off his hangover. And I was... Uh, descending down towards the bottom and there was this great big turtle and uh, also a wobbegong shark but he had his back turned so he, he was heading down towards them with his back to them and was looking at me up at the surface and I started coming down and I'm pointing behind him to indicate, mate, you uh, you really need to turn around and look what's behind you and he turned around and realised there was a wobbegong a few feet away and uh, got quite the shock but uh, I thought to myself, here we go, I'm going to see my very first shark attack so It's <laughs> is going to be interesting. And uh, Matt, you've been to this area of the world as well, uh, Julian Rock at Bar and by.
4: Yeah, I had a pretty cool experience. Like when we um went diving there we dropped down, there were about six of these huge grey nurse, you know, they're about two and a half metres, they're wow. pretty impressive. And we were like, Wow, and my friend who was the dive guide there, he was like, Oh, I've never seen them on this side of the island, that's just crazy. And um turned out we got back later and um another dive guide had gone to the other side of Julian Rocks and there'd been a great white had <laughs> been cruising past and all the sharks had scattered as this like <laughs> You know, seven meter shark <laughs> You know, there's, he's not interested in little fish He's interested in other sharks and, yeah, the, the real deal So, G-wise. Would have liked to see him but yeah. Yeah. Sure yes,
2: That's it And of course, uh, we'd, we'd waited until we had uh, Myself and Leighton and three other guys That had uh, jumped into the water uh, Quick shout out to the Surdo uh, the boys Adam and Matt and uh, <laughs> Brendo uh, Brendan Moore if you're uh, listening fellas um, But uh, they all went snorkeling And I very strategically waited Until we'd gotten out of the water Gotten back and we were having a few beers at the uh, at the accommodation. Before I told him the story of, uh, I don't know if you're aware Matt, but there was a terrible, um, uh, there was a fatal at Julian Rocks involving a great white, uh, a fatal attack on a person back in 1993. In June of that year there was um, a, a couple on their honeymoon and they'd just done a fantastic dive. They were coming up to the surface doing the safety stop at five metres and a big great white come along and lunged at the lady. The, the, the uh, husband grabbed her and pushed her out of the way at the last moment and he took the full brunt of the attack and was so it was, was killed outright. So it was a pretty uh, horrendous experience. But, of course, you, you know, that was 1993. This is 2019. There hasn't been anything there since. I mean, there's been some incidents around uh, Byron and Ballina and that part of the world. So but that I does happen, but you've got to keep it in place. It's the risk
4: of, like, you know, venturing into the ocean and that's their habitat. That's... Yep. You know that's where they live, and so.
2: Yep, that's it, isn't it? It's the backyard. Yeah. You've, uh, you've got to bear these things in mind. But yeah, you know, having said that, how did I get here today? Lado and I <laughs> jumped in the car and come along, and we know the chances. It's uh, much, much more uh, likely to get killed on the road than by a, a great white. We know that for an absolute fact. But uh, and you did some. Uh, also had an <laughs> uh, interesting conversation with the dive, uh, the dive master about all the the dive shop about your uh, your diving, and then you're flying the following day.
3: Yeah, well, um, I hadn't done skydiving before, and I think it just came up at the pub on Friday night, let's go skydiving, so, um, yeah, we got the calculator out and worked out if I'd go for a dive at this time, can I go up to skydiving this uh, at this time in the morning, but um, it was all good, and, yeah, did my first skydive from 15,000 feet, and, yeah, absolutely loved it, it was... Um, yeah, yeah. How does it, do it compare again. to uh scuba diving or skydiving? <laughs> uh, I think it's a little bit different, um <laughs> but both still get the you know drilling going and a bit of excitement and stuff like that. So no, I was um yeah, loved it. Like yeah. I was I was surprised actually like just how much I enjoyed it. Like just a, a surreal experience. Which I guess is sometimes like a diving experience which gets, can get pretty surreal sometimes. Mm.
2: And um absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I did that two thousand and nine, uh, same area, same part of the world, and jumped out of the plane. Perfectly good aircraft, and uh, I sort of thought that you'd feel like you were floating, but no, you feel like you're falling and, <laughs> and doing it very quickly too. But it's exciting
3: though. You get this oh, huge grin, yeah. and you're like, "Wow!" I couldn't believe um, the force Amazing. of the wind, like blowing up on you, and, and it was like it wasn't just a quick. <laughs> um, you no, know, it's like a full sixty seconds like free fall or So. Yeah, really get time to take it in and go. Okay, yeah, I'm falling towards the ground. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, what well, I didn't feel worried at all. I guess you know, I'm used to just, like climbing up big things and jumping off something. But um, yeah, I felt you no know, totally comfortable. And I think it's just like diving as well. You trust your gear. You trust you know your team that you're with and stuff. And yeah, you know what can can't go wrong. What to do in an emergency. So
2: mm. and mm. I,
3: no, I think it's important. Um, like I normally always carry a knife with me. And my, I just got my um. My girlfriend into diving, and uh, well, she used to dive a long time ago, but she's got back into it, and yeah, um... you know, knives not really there to protect, protect you from a great white shark, nah, you know, of course but, but not. there's plenty of th- times you might get tangled in something, or you know, I've had my um. Boy rope come out and be a big spool. That's what we were doing. A HMAS camera at one time, like nearly end up in a big tangling that, but got sort it sorted out. But it's always just good to have like a backup plan for everything you do. Absolutely, I that was to, the
2: one, yeah. I on. used to have
3: a dive
4: instructor, and uh, he would tell me, he'd be like, Now there's no point having a knife, like you know, for a shark, yeah. although there is one way that you can like get away from it. You know, if you've got a knife, you yeah. know, I'm just stab your
2: buddy <laughs> and then you swim <laughs> off. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that, was the, that was the one piece of equipment that I never carried for years. And then I went down to the exact uh, part of the world you were discussing, Leighton, for the, uh, the Port Arlington Muscle Festival, oh, yeah. and went diving off the, uh, one of the piers there and having a look around. And I found there was a, um, a southern fiddler ray, a uh, little banjo shark, that had been hooked. And the, um, the hook, of course, was attached to a line, and the line was tangled around one of the pier pylons. So this poor ray was swimming and trying to get away from me, and it was just stuck to this, uh, stuck to this pylon. So I had to uh, plead for one of the blokes who was fishing to throw me his knife down, which he did, thankfully. And I grabbed that and was able to cut the line, the fiddler raised him off and gave the knife back to him, but then thought that was a bit of a joke. I really should have had a knife with me. So one of the first things I did after that was go out and purchase a dive knife. Yeah, they are uh, very handy pieces of equipment. Yeah, Yeah. Um, Matt, you uh, just before uh, we're getting close to the uh, end of the program for yet another week, uh, you had some news about um, Victorian Fisheries Authority and spider crabs, as per our discussion, a couple of weeks ago.
4: Yeah, so um, the Spider Crab Alliance group met with fisheries the other day, which was a fantastic outcome. Um, the petition got about 18,000 signatures locally. Wow. So that was really cool. And um, yeah, the meeting is really progressive. Um, looks like, you know, we're going to move forward. And they were really um, excited that we were so diplomatic at our approach. Right. You know, we hadn't started this big campaign against fisheries. We wanted to work with them. Yes. And so we're going to start this big consultation period and do a bit of research and, um Yeah, just analyze the impact that um, the spider crabs have on the community and those kind of things. So it's it's a great thing, and thank you to everyone who signed the petition.
2: That's great. That's great to hear. We've also got some news that I'll be I'll be covering in coming weeks with a bit of luck. A very exciting announcement. um, Only a few weeks ago, with regards to a new native fish hatchery that's being built up in Shepparton, um, worth seven million dollars or thereabouts. So the idea is that it's due to propagate native fish for the, uh, the, the environment and they want um, half of the staff from this hatchery to be um, of Indigenous background. Um, so there is an opportunity for Melbourne Polytechnic to carry out the training for that one. But I did, uh, while we are up there, meeting the Minister, Jala Pulford, and um, some of the uh, people from fish, uh, the Victorian Fisheries Authority, Travis Dowling and Anthony Forster and these sorts of guys. They're, they're a really good b- bunch to work with. Uh, seem to be very, very progressive. So it's always uh, always good to hear that sort of thing. All right, well, that brings us to the end of yet another week of Out of the Blue. Please stay tuned for Sally with Out of the Pan.